Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And I don't want to hear anyone on this. I don't want to hear anyone in the K State fan base saying we want Bama again. I don't want Bama. I don't want them ever again. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was a bad idea. The only time I want to see anyone say we want Bama is if immediately after it is just Bama's transfers. That's all I want. Fair enough, honestly. You know what? Something something I have been thinking about is how we should have expected this given how many analysts they have. And we've shown that when we face teams with unlimited budgets after any amount of time that's longer than a week, it's bad news for us. Like yep. IE Texas this year. And Bama, they get a month. That's just not even fair. No. <laughs> no. But yeah, the in the sugar bowl, K State ended up getting throttled 45 to 20. And uh, it's not losing to a six and six SEC school, but you know, it still hurts. So I the best way to describe it is is there's two parts to this. One I have written down, the other you said, you and I both said right before we recorded. I'll say the one we have written down, and I'm sure you know the other one. Just about everything that could have gone wrong for K-State did, it was kind of getting to the, the level of the Oklahoma State game last year, where Connor and I, at one point, we just kind of started laughing. Because at that point... There was there's very little else that we could do because everything got turned on its head and everything went very, very poorly outside of the first quarter. Yeah, the uh, the three times that that's happened to me recently for K-State, I think it's exclusively uh, well, I didn't I almost didn't reach that point with the Bama game just because I was still sad, but the uh um, the game that you mentioned, Oklahoma State last year, then Baylor on the road in 2020 in basketball. That was 2021, actually, but that COVID season when we were down by like 50 points at halftime <laughs> and like just got absolutely eviscerated. I think we got doubled up and they were in the 90s or something like that. Yep. That that was maybe the lowest point of K-State basketball that I can remember, but uh, that, that goes to show what a uh, rarefied air this game is in. Yeah, I, and it's not going to come down to a bunch of over-aggressive decisions because, well, you have the next point, Connor, and it's it's a question. who Who's beating Bama? If they put up that performance, who in this country is beating Bama? Probably nobody. Um, probably nobody. I, In fact, I'd say almost certainly nobody. Um. They have a very obvious number one pick in Bryce Young, and we knew going into the game that he was going to be, uh, he was going to be trouble. And there are multiple throws that I don't think any other quarterback in the country could have made. Where any other time, our defensive backs do a fine job, like Julius Brents on that long touchdown. I think like right before, I don't even remember when it was. It was like a 40 yard touchdown or whatever through the air. Brent's like just barely gets beat. Any other quarterback in the entire country throws that ball. It's at least probably incomplete, whether it be by deflection or overthrow or whatever. But Bryce Young 
had multiple throws where he put it in the exact one spot that it could be made. Yeah. And I feel bad for the DBs because they did get toasted in this game, but they also it wasn't any like other bad. Yeah, against any other quarterback, they probably have a solid game. Like like an average game for this for this group. And instead we have seen we we've basically seen the level of play that we need to rise to if we really want to take the next step. And I, I think that's been a consistent theme on K-State Twitter. So I'm not just letting this game get me down the dumps because, I mean, I was very sad for a bit, um, naturally, even though we predicted losses coming into this game. Uh, I think what made it hurt the most, though, was starting out hot and getting out to a 10-0 lead. Although yeah. this is, there have been many times when you think about it in Bama's recent history where other teams get out to a hot start against them and still get absolutely destroyed because they just sometimes a lot of Saban teams just got to take that punch before they uh, really uh, uh, get going. So we gave them a good punch. And honestly, like I like most of the aggressive decisions, not all of them. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't like the onside kick. That's the lone exception. Yeah, the onside kick was not a good choice. I did not like the timeout at the end of the first half either. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a fan of that. I can see where he's coming from. I get it, but don't take chances like like that. Like, just had a bad situation. Like, the momentum just shifted. Don't do that. But love going for it on fourth down as much as we did. I don't understand why we didn't go for it on fourth down later when we took that field goal because what was the benefit of the three at that point? Vanity. But, Pretty much, yeah. But I, I I think at that point, the offense was just so on the rails that it was tough to do anything else. But pretty much, I mean, to be fair, almost nobody on the offense had a very good game. So, uh, but I don't know. I, I've rambled a little bit and gone off track a little bit, but we can move on. Yeah, I, yeah. Because to kind of to finish off on that note, it's I. I don't take issue with a lot of the aggressive decision makings that he did. I can even understand the timeout because they're buried deep back. Like I can get it. I don't necessarily like it. I don't get it, uh, but I get it. The onside kick. I honestly, the moment that we let them score after the onside kick, I kind of had this feeling like, well, yeah, this game's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was really, really bad because Gosh, we uh, there was a massive, massive point swing that came from pretty much one play, and that was the fourth down where uh, Ben Sennett he like gets tripped up a little bit, um, in coverage on that play, and so he isn't where he should have been, pretty much. And Will still has to make that throw, yeah. Will does need to make that throw, but. He's making that throw as Benson is getting tripped up, but it's still an overthrow anyways. But that the play was there. And then after that, uh, it just begins an absolute downward spiral because Bama is backed up on their own two. We hold them to a two-yard gain. Then we take a timeout. All of a sudden, 22 yards, 12 yards, 28 yards, touchdown a few plays later. So that's seven points. Then... The onside kick, surprisingly, doesn't work. And three plays later, they score. And then Will throws a pick, and they score on the next play. 
and that all happens in about three minutes of game time. Yeah. So that game went from being completely within our reach and it was a uh, 14 to 10 game. You're down at the Bama two yard line. We're right there. We we can take a lead going into halftime. And then all of a sudden we're down 35-0 or 35-10. I mean, yep. might as well have been 35-0. Yeah. But that I don't hate going for it on fourth, but the timeout and then the subsequent onside kick put us in a hole. And then Will had a really bad read and just tried to force it in a window that wasn't there and gives up another. And that was it, really. That was, that was the game at that point. I mean, Bama put on a little bit more. Defense did okay from there on. Yeah. Uh, offense got a late garbage time touchdown, added a field goal. But it was really that three minutes of game time. That was it. it was three minutes of game time where we just compounded our mistakes and continued to shoot ourselves in the foot there. And Bama, being the talent factory they are, destroyed us in that stretch of time. Yep. They, they they took that we gave them we get we played 17 minutes of really competitive football and in the first half and then the final minute and the first two minutes of the second half was what completely destroyed any shot because that's that's a 21 point swing 28 actually yep. because we don't get the touchdown with senate so i mean that that's the difference in the game and I'm not here to say that if we convert that touchdown, that we win that game because no. I, I still don't think that happens because I think Bama comes out and beats us anyways. But I'm just saying that we didn't play terribly. No, not as horrible as it seems, but that does not mean we played well because no. we did not play well. This was a poor game for pretty much every unit on the team. Yeah, and we'll get into that after stats, which we'll just kind of cover shortly. I'll take the offensive stats. Will was 18 of 35, 210 in the air, two interceptions, two sacks. I'm not pinning this game on Will. I I feel like, again, it's, it's ridiculous to pin the game on Will. Yeah, he was picked off twice. Once was just a ridiculous play by the DB getting into a lurk zone. That... I, there's that's going to happen to just about every other quarterback, maybe not named CJ Stroud because CJ Stroud is like, I don't know. CJ Stroud was trying to make an argument for him being the number one overall pick against Georgia, but that's a different discussion. I think the only, there are like maybe two or three quarterbacks in the country that don't get user lurked like that on that first, the first drive to deuce. That's just a ridiculous play by them. And then he's late on the second one doesn't get a touchdown, whatever. He didn't play horribly. He wasn't, it never got to a point while the game was in within reach where I said, okay, we need to put Adrian in when the game was well out of reach. I wanted Adrian in, but that's. Yeah, I'm with you. This was a, this is not what we needed out of will. We needed a much, much better performance from will to have a shot in this game. With that being said, this game is not even close to falling on his shoulders. I think I still have plenty of faith in will going into next year, and we should not be judging his position in the starting quarterback battle uh, based off his performance against a team that is littered with 
future NFL all pros. And, you know, and pretty much every position other than receiver and the receivers for them still had a great day because of who's throwing them the ball. So, but not, not a great day for Will, but it is what it is. Yeah. Then Deuce was 22 for 133, including an 88-yard touchdown run, which was the longest touchdown run recorded against Alabama in something like 22 years or something like that. It was definitely the longest in the Nick Saban era. Yeah. And he obviously recorded a touchdown. Ended up catching... Oh, no, he didn't. I lied. Then D... (laughs) DJ Giddens was 9-4-67, long of 30, no touchdowns. DJ Giddens is going to be really good. He also caught 3-4-48 yards. That's a stat line shared by another player, but it's different context with that player. Yeah. Adrian got two carries, 12 yards, uh, you know, long of eight. Malik got a jet sweep for two yards, and then Jordan Shippers slash Kobe Savage got a <laughs> one-yard carry. at the- that's kind of, I just kind of laughed at the game after that. I was over it at that point, but that kind of just sent me. I thought that was hilarious. That, I actually didn't notice it in the moment. And <laughs> I was you, you, had, you had to share it with me that that's what happened. And, and for, for those that don't know, when Jordan Shipper scored, uh, they used uh, Kobe Savage's photo instead of his. And it's also that way on ESPN's website. So that's a very consistent ESPN wide problem. <laughs> In uh, thinking Jordan Shippers is Kobe Savage, perhaps the opposite is true as well. I'm not sure. I didn't <laughs> probably should have checked Kobe Savage's page to see uh, if they have Jordan Shippers photo up there. No, they don't. So there's just two Kobe Savages on the team. Yeah, there's now, two Kobe Savages. I mean, I, I would it. like that. I'd like that, actually. This is <laughs> the, yeah, Kobe Savage would have been huge in this game, but play with the players you have. So, yep. And receiving, already mentioned DJ Giddens. Ben Sinnott was three for 48, had three. I'm not going to call them backbreaking drops because, again, in order to have a backbreaking drop, you kind of have to be in it. But <laughs> they were they were not good drops, and which is uncharacteristic because I think those were his first three drops of the year, and they all occurred in the same game against yeah. Bama. They were really? all bad. <laughs> they were all not great drops either. I get that he's covered, but he's made tougher catches this season against other opponents. So it's not even they like got a hand in. He just dropped them. Yeah. Like there's the one over the shoulder that would have been a first down. There was the touchdown, uh, the goal line. He uh, trips in his router is tripped. I don't remember exactly. He was he... tripped. Will Anderson yeah. dropped out into coverage, got in his way a little bit, but and there was another drop in there as well, um, unless you're counting that goal line one, even though it wasn't a drop. But yeah, this was a really rough performance for for Senate. Uh, although he's not alone, so not not picking on him there. But yeah. it, it it was tough to watch because uh, he's been so reliable this year and still had some good plays, but it's um, not not his best. Cade Warner was five for 48. He was probably like, oh boy, he was the grittiest player on the field. And I don't mean that in the stereotypical way. I mean that in quite literally, he was fight. Like I, if he had to run through like a rhinoceros in order to get two yards, I'm pretty sure that he could have done it today. He, he was really good. 
I I thoroughly enjoy watching Cade Warner. He, he I think he put it, I think he put it well. He he was really gritty. He was really fighting for extra yards longer than most would. So I I really appreciated seeing that from him. Uh, and I'm really sad that we're not going to have him back, which is not something I expected to say no. coming into this season. But I mean, Cade Warner's coming off his best year ever, and is. Maybe going to take a shot at the NFL. Probably, I don't imagine he'll make it. He'll probably be a coach. I hope we can have him as a GA. I would love to keep Cade Warner in this uh, in in this room. Uh, but, as well. Yeah, finishes his last season with forty six catches, four hundred fifty six yards, five touchdowns. So, pretty good year for him. I think that all of those are more than he had in the rest of his career combined. Probably. Yeah. So good for him. Yep. Philip Brooks, four for 44, still reliable. Jane Jackson got two catches, both on back-to-back plays. And Malik only had one catch for six yards and a drop-slash-pass breakup. But Leak, I think, was kind of – I think he was a bit more hurt than he thought he was. But, again, offense – the one thing I will say that I'm extremely impressed with is how Christian Duffy handled Will Anderson. Will Anderson did not record a stat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was absolutely taken aback by our uh, um, pass blocking being generally pretty good. And Christian Duffy had himself a nice day. Um, PFF gives him a poor grade. I don't know why, because he actually was quite good. So and, and then, yeah, Will Anderson was not really a factor in this game at all. And I... I, I, I'm very pleasantly surprised with how we handled that and the pass rush for the most part. They still got two sacks. Yeah. All things considered, I'll take that. I would have taken that coming into the game. And we we did a good job clean, keeping Will clean most of the time, especially early on. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was surprisingly effective because I was I had grave concerns about the uh, pass protection going into the game, but went pretty well. Yeah. So you have the defensive stats. Yep. So defensively leading the way with tackles is actually VJ Payne. He had himself a really good day. He had a sack as well, uh, finishing out his true freshman season on a high note. Personally, he did have some moments that weren't great. He did miss a tackle that gave up a touchdown. Although, like three Josh Hayes missed also missed, yeah like well he wasn't just him but I think he may have had the best shot um or at least he was in the area I can't remember exactly um but he finishes with 10 tackles uh, and a sack Trey Cheatham had nine tackles and his final game as a wildcat Josh Hayes seven also his last game uh Desmond Purnell had three tackles Cody Stuffelbean had three tackles which can't say Lee I expected mean Cody Stuffel Bean. <laughs> I'm very happy for you, Cody Stuffel Bean. I just respectfully did not expect that to happen. So, which is especially strange because he only played in t- on ten snaps. So he was highly productive in those snap and those uh, snaps. Good for him. Uh, D. Hens had two tackles, a tackle for loss. He almost had a sack at one point as well. Uh, Seth Porter had two tackles. Daniel Green had two tackles and a sack early in the game. 
Julius Brands had two tackles, as did Khalid Duke, Austin Moore, and Felix Nidike Uzama. And then one tackle apiece for Jordan Wright, Malik Knowles, Omar Daniels, Gavin Forche, Nick Allen, and Nate Matlick. Uh, so shout out Jordan Wright, getting onto the field a little bit more there. Uh, hadn't really seen him at all this year. So we, we hadn't really seen much at all of both number zeros, but in this game, they both provide some sort of impact. Uh, Jaden Jackson just coming out of absolutely nowhere to have two catches on the last drive of the season. Thanks, Jaden. And then Jordan cool. Wright. Thanks as well. But yeah, that, that does it for uh, the defensive stats. Yeah. And normally this is where we would do the game Drake grade segment. That's going to be on pause because it would, we kind of talked about it before and we both came to the consensus of it's pointless because no matter what the grade was, like everyone could have had like, you know, an A minus to A performance, we'd still lose. So the grading scale kind of became a non-factor. So this is just kind of where we're going to ramble about each position group. We already talked about quarterback in the quarterback stats section. The only thing we didn't mention is how towards the end, I would have liked to see Adrian more. I feel like Adrian kind of earned that. And I know Kleiman was probably saying, you know, that's a sign of surrender. And that's the last thing that you want to, to show your players. I look at it the opposite way. I look at it as rewarding the guy who has been nothing but a leader the entire time that he's been here and someone who deserved to go on out on a higher note than he did. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of hoping to see Adrian as well, but unfortunately we didn't really see him all that much, save for that one drive. Uh, so I, I would have been fine to see more of Adrian, but just wasn't in the cards, I guess. Um, I don't know, maybe they don't want to risk further injury. Uh, if he wasn't fully healthy, uh, but at that on the same coin, if that was the case, and why I play him at all, yeah. so I don't know what the answer is there. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Like this isn't like earth shattering or anything. But I would have liked to see Adrian get in the game a bit more at the end. Yeah, I would have as well. Running backs, Deuce was Deuce. You know, if if this is to be Deuce's final game in a K State uniform. Which, you know, it it still sounds like it's it's up in the air. We're not gonna break any news because we don't have any news to break. <laughs> but it you know, if this is going to be his last game, obviously you would have liked a different result, and I'm certain he would have as well. But putting up one thirty three against Bama, including the longest touchdown run that Bama's given up since, you know, I was in diapers, it's it's awesome. It's a good way to to send him off. And DJ Giddens had himself a good game. I think that the concerns about us not having a lead back next year are massively overstated because we have a DJ Giddens. We need a second back or like a 1B option, but DJ had a good game as well. Yeah, I Deuce had a good game. Obviously, the long run was the highlight. When you take that out, the stats aren't fantastic, but some of that is also the run blocking really struggled at times. Um, and, but for the most part, he did. Okay. Um, has the one great touchdown. And then DJ, I thought was particularly impressive. I, I really liked him in this game and he, he was up to the challenge. It seemed, 
And I, I thought that you played pretty well. DJ notably did not lose any yards uh, either. A theme uh, an for av- him. <laughs> yeah. An average seven and a half per carry. So pretty pleased with um, DJ Giddens' performance. And of course, he was uh, a factor in the receiving game as well. So a lot to like about DJ Giddens' performance. Yeah. Receivers were fine. The only thing that even slightly inspired me was the the Cade Warner just refusing to go down, but needed more from leak. Phil did about what you'd want him to do, but it was just, again, not much could have, nothing went right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Phil, uh, I was happy that he didn't have any drops in this game. I was a little worried about him making a crucial drop coming in, but he actually had really good hands in this game, yeah. like notably good hands. Um, and then Yamalik did have uh, at least one bad drop. Um, and then Kid Warner played really well, uh, when the ball got to him. So, and then Jaden Jackson gets two uh, receptions, first two of his K State career. Uh, I'd imagine we'll be seeing a lot more from next year. Yeah. Tight ends, fullbacks. We already covered Ben Sinnott had the three drops, but you know, still fine. Take it or leave it. I, I, I guess I'm a little bit more negative on Senate because those drops were really big. Um, at the very least, leaves you feeling less of a bad taste in your mouth. I guess, like especially the touchdown, because at that point, it, it just really feels like visibly caring less, and that, that that's tough to swallow. I feel like, um. And I, it, I'm not going to hold it against him because, you know, like this was the worst game that he's had this year, probably in a season where he's had plenty of really good games, and especially since he really came on in the OU game. Um, but I was really frustrated during the game. Uh, Sammy Wheeler didn't really um, have any production in this game, but that's all right. I didn't really expect much out of him uh, in this game, but. Wasn't a great game for that group. Yeah. Offensive line. We already mentioned the pass blocking. Run blocking. Awful. <laughs> Terrible. They're, the reason why Deuce sprung that run was, and I, I'm sorry, it seems like every single year that we've done this show, two years, the center <laughs> has become the the spot that we kind of bully the most. The reason why Deuce sprung that run was because Gilly got beat so bad that they broke run contain. Yep. I, I saw that on <laughs> on a replay of it. And at first I, I thought that we that was like a trap or something. He just over pursued. No. Mm-mm. No, that, that was not on purpose. Um that, that on was on tough. Purpose. Yeah, Gilly had a really rough day, which I, I think we anticipated. Uh, that that wasn't particularly surprising, uh, at, at least from my point of view, um, to to watch him get handled completely by uh, a completely superior uh, unit in the Bama defensive line, at, at least the nose tackles compared to him. Because, I mean, we've seen that he just can't handle uh, a nose tackle with size. Like, yeah. like that's just... And, and frankly, shouldn't be something that's expected of him, given the size difference. Uh, it, it's, no. it's 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 frankly unreasonable to to look at Gilly, who's like 280 pounds, 
and ask him to handle a guy who's got like two or three inches height on him and then and 60 probably, pounds yeah 60 pounds so the, the that's just not realistic but yeah if so if you're going up against someone who reps your weight at like if they rep bench your weight that's not a good thing no not at all um but and at least it's sprung deuce for that touchdown yeah the run blocking in general wasn't great in fact it was downright bad most of the game it balanced out with the pass protection being pretty solid unexpectedly so but the only person on this line that I think you could say had a genuinely good day is Cooper BB because Cooper BB never has a bad day. And then Duffy in pass protection. I was uh, Cooper BB, I believe has made it public that it, there's a good chance that everyone on the line comes back. And while there are a few places that I'm apprehensive about that, going to leave that one there. Duffy has, you know, despite the, he hasn't had a Duffy moment in a while. And when he doesn't have yeah. Duffy moments, he's a legitimately like good Big Twelve right tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I like Christian Duffy. We've we've poked fun at him a lot on this podcast for his Duffy moments because they are Duffy moments, so they stand out. He'll he'll never live down the uh, Southern <laughs> Illinois living uh, on the yard yeah. line. It unfortunately worked. <laughs> he wins that rep because he confuses the defensive end. Uh, but it was, yeah, he, he's full of Duffy moments. Um, but regardless of that, he's still a really good offensive tackle. So I'm hopeful Athena comes back like you. I am apprehensive of that at some positions. On the other hand, Taylor Pottier hopefully will be back and hopefully can stay healthy, uh, next season because I do think he is a difference maker. Uh, for this offensive line, because he was probably going to be the second best lineman uh, on the team this year. And we've now not had him for two straight seasons. So I am really hopeful that he's able to come back from injury. Yeah, I agree. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line. Okay. I know that. uh, Listen, Baylor only got 175 yards rushing. That's a win. That is an absolute victory. I don't care what anyone says. And Felix naturally got held because he's Felix. He was getting pretty decent. He was he didn't have many terrible reps. Huggins was doing great at nose tackle because, of course, he did. And then that third defensive end spot kind of taken up by a mixture of Brendan Mott and Nate Matlick. That was the spot that I was worried about. They held their own. Like I they the defensive line room, honestly, I don't think has anything to be ashamed about. Were they great in pass rush? No. Did they get bullied in the run game? Also, no. Like, they have nothing to hang their head about. And that gave me, that still gives me a lot of, a lot of hope. Because he only, well, Felix is undecided. But still having Stufflebean step in in that same spot and not do well. And he did well in the running game. You know, seeing that is like, okay, well, we're not just going to get run all over whenever Felix and Huggins leave. So that was, yeah, I'm proud of the defensive line performance. Yeah, the defensive line actually did play pretty well in this game. And I, I really liked what we saw from them. I uh, was definitely a little bit more worried. But yeah, we didn't do terrible against the run. Um, we still allowed some larger plays. 
Um, but regardless, we held Jameer Gibbs a bit better than I expected us to. He still had a good game, um, but a lot of that came later. And then uh, their other running backs were were still solid. But as a whole, uh, this defensive line could have had a much worse day. And the there were points in the game where the defensive line was really getting consistent pressure. Uh, although that wasn't the majority of the game. Um, but they they did pretty well, all things considered. So good for them. Yeah. Linebackers, other than the Daniel Green sack, I do not remember a single play made by the linebackers. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, they were not memorable in this game at all for not good reasons. Yeah. Khalid Defense. Duke, I remember having a few solid moments but that's really about it like like he just had some nice tackles i think but i don't i don't even remember those i i could have sworn that maybe i just remember seeing him around tackles but i could be i don't know (laughs) oh did he actually record statistics he he got two tackles okay so there's a chance i'm right (laughs) perhaps not but we'll see yeah defensive backs this is the biggie uh so on a couple of there there were a couple of times that the defensive backs got were were unfortunately held victim to the fact that Bryce Young had his superstar X factor ability activated throughout the entirety of the second quarter and second half where he just doesn't matter where the ball is he's going to throw it with perfect accuracy the Julius Brents ball in the back of the end zone he's in good position there's nothing that he can really do about that throw <laughs> absolutely nothing echo getting back shouldered that that's a shame echo giving up the touchdown in the end zone yeah that sucks but like again he was there he just he put his there. arm in the wrong spot yeah and you know what sometimes that just happens yeah I, it's there's one person in particular who I texted you in the middle of the games. Josh Hayes has had it ever since like three or four weeks ago. Josh Hayes fell off a cliff. He had an awful game. Yeah, he he was he was pretty rough. And there's no getting around that. He uh, was targeted the most um, with six targets. He also gave up the most receptions uh, with five. And he gave up 125 yards uh, through the air. A uh, long touchdown. Yeah. And that's pretty rough. I mean, the most any other person gave up uh, in coverage was uh, two receptions. So that's a really, really, really tough stat line uh, for him. Uh, Shadow Khalid Duke leading the way in coverage with one target. Only one reception. It was three yards. Definitely not. Um, I'm skewed data there, but no. but no, yeah. Josh Hayes, he had a really fantastic start to the year, and he's still solid in run support. But man, the that back was, end of the year, he was not good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Especially in coverage, uh, just a lot of coverage mishaps. At least some of that, I think can be attributed to the just overall thin nature of that safety room because there's just not any depth there at this point because of injuries. Yeah. Like, I, think I mean, Hayes was probably playing hobble most of the back year. 
that is that is also true and i i always forget about that how he uh really has been fairly pretty well injured uh for a lot of the year as well um yeah hayes really the only safeties that played were hayes cheatham and uh uh vj and we, we didn't really see anybody else uh from the safety room uh, at least in coverage snaps so that's a I mean, you're asking guys to play pretty much the whole way um, against uh, against uh, the uh, Bama offense, which is not sustainable. That's not sustainable. Uh, that's a good way to put it. That I, I would not wish that upon my worst enemy to have to go out there and face Bryce Young for however many snaps that they ended up doing. So, just uh really tough position to be in but you know what we'll be back next year uh the safety room we've already started the yearly influx of uh <laughs> random safety safety transfers. safety transfers for like one year although a uh, cycle is uh multiple years so there's that yeah. at least yeah there's that and i think he's i think he's in the exact same spot that josh hayes is and was and he's yeah. younger, so and he and he will basically be the same player. So. Yeah, he's he's the same guy. He's the same dude. They even both were originally in North Dakota State. So although Hayes did have a brief stop in Virginia, but no, yeah, there are only three safeties played in this game, as far as I can tell. Uh, and some of that, of course, is Kobe Savage being gone, T.J. Smith entering the portal. Um, but just. Yeah, no depth there, really. And you can't afford to play some of the uh, lower on the depth chart guys uh, against Bama either. So it is what it is. Um, corners weren't great either, but they did what they could, yeah. uh, I think. Because honestly, a lot of what Bama was able to do was just scheme. Like they, like they, that's, scheme that's and what Bryce Young. <laughs> yeah, Bryce Young. Yeah, and, and scheme. They just, they, they're so good at opening up the deep parts of the field uh, through their scheming. And because I mean, even with incredible talent, the only way to consistently get that open and be open downfield that much is through effective scheming. Um, Because it, it's not as simple as just running a guy in a straight line. If it was, everybody would do it. But they, um, yeah, the, the defensive backs definitely had a rough day. Uh, Five touchdowns for Bryce Young, six incompletions. Not a good stat line, but that's uh, tough. Left a lot on the field, but it is what it is. Yep. And then we're. I'm going to group Klein and Klanderman and just kind of put the blanket label of what did you want them to do? <laughs> what reasonably could they have done significantly better? Honestly, Klein called a pretty good game for the most part. I didn't yeah. like how much we tried to run power against no. them. I that was know. never going to work. Yeah, but we at least did go away from that after a few tries. We should have after zero tries, but <laughs> although although I guess the I think the deuce touchdown run was power. But the reason it worked is because that's it a didn't caveat work. that turned into yeah. a trap run. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that that was an incidental trap. Like, so shouldn't have called that again. Uh, I, I, I really don't have much issue with Colin Klein 
and how he handled this game, especially because he's not making those big, like the big decisions to go for it or which we already talked about. Kick. Yeah, and we've already we've already gone over the aggressiveness and how we're mostly okay with it, but not fully because some of the decisions were not aggressive; they were reckless, and I think that's the key difference there. But yeah, Klein was fine. Klanderman, um, definitely not the best day. They started out well, um, but just couldn't hang on. And at some point, the army of analysts at Bama, they're going to find weaknesses in your defense and be able to attack you. Yeah, the, the number of analysts that they have at Alabama, they could quite literally not do any film study before entering the game. By the end of the first quarter, they've done more film study than you've been able to do in two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of how it is with them. Because they they have so many analysts. It's ridiculous. And they're all like former, like washed up D1 head coaches who even if they weren't good, you to be a D1 head coach, you gotta be able to watch film and do it at a decent level. So like there there's incredible football minds just constantly walking around that that uh, uh, facility for Bama. Because they want to, like, I don't blame them. I would like, if I could be under the coaching wing of, even if I'm a failed D1 head coach, if I could be under the wing of Nick Saban for two years, you joking? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good deal for you. You know, spend a, spend a little time or rejuvenate your career, learn from Nick Saban, then go get like 2 million from some like random school. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much that the coordinators could have done. Which, now we can move into the MVPs. Offensive is deuce. Defensive. Payne. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's probably VJ Payne. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's VJ Payne. I, I can't really think of anybody else. It, this is probably the first time all year that it's been really cut and dry who the defensive MVP is. Albeit not for the reasons that it's not for a good reason, (laughs) no. But it's it's a reason, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing you agree with the Deuce offensive MVP pick as well. Yeah, I I can't really think of a better option, really, because most of the other people on the offense just didn't really perform that well. There's a losing argument for DJ Giddens as like an option just because I think he was more consistent but he still didn't have the long touchdown run didn't score had some nice receiving production but I mean Deuce gets gets the the lone meaningful touchdown for for K-State so that's your MVP Now we can go into the takeaways. First and foremost, we aren't Bama. We're not at Bama's level as a program. And despite this, I, I'm i never going to say that we're going to be on the level of Bama, at least holistically, because I'm not sure that there are many programs, if any programs, that can do that. I guess we'll figure out if Georgia can do that in a week from recording. But even then, it it's they still have a good like five or six years of continued dominance to prove that point. With that being said, I don't think that it is. I don't think that this was an embarrassment to K-State. And I don't think that this shows that K-State can never be nationally relevant. 
in like things like college football playoff talk. Because I wholeheartedly believe, and this is somewhat unrelated, I wholeheartedly believe we're a better team than TCU. TCU is going to be in the national championship facing off against Georgia. They're going to get smoked, but <laughs> sorry. The only They're going to be there. They'll the be only there. school that I think could have beat Georgia just lost to them. So, <laughs> but I don't think that this loss says that the climate experiment is a failure, that this program can never be nationally relevant because we already are nationally relevant. We just got buzzsawed by Bama, which happens to everyone who has ever played them in bowl season. Yeah, I mean, Georgia got destroyed by them, the SEC championship, the year they won the national title. So it happens. Bama's going to blow people up. And I'm not going to lose my mind over getting destroyed by Alabama when you and I both predicted us to lose this game. It hurt. Don't get me wrong. Like this is this wasn't like something that like, made me feel good. Like I was very sad watching this game, and for a few hours after. But it does a few things that are useful. It, it shows us how far we need to go uh, to become more of a national power. Um, and it also hopefully will encourage donors to put more money towards things like assistant coach pool uh, for their salaries. Uh, and then also maybe creating more analyst positions because those things are valuable. You know, they aren't there just to be there. That's the reason that Bama, one of the grants, one of the reasons Bama is as good as they are is because they have an army of analysts that just sit there and watch film and well, they analyze and they have enough people doing that, that they're able to get deeper analysis than we are. And I'm not saying that we aren't getting great analysis, but we're having to stretch fewer people further. And that's not sustainable because Bama just has so many people doing it. That helps them. That gives them a competitive edge. We're never going to get to their level of that because they have pretty much infinite resources to throw at it. They put in the infinite money cheat. <laughs> yeah, they, they got the GTA 5 money, money glitch. So there's no... We can't do that, but we need to at least find ways to creatively level the playing field in that regard. And I'm hopeful that this can be a bit of a wake-up call to some of the donors uh, on the uh, importance of stuff like that, on having a, a really big support staff. That's something that Jerome Tang is doing right now. He has a huge coaching staff compared to uh, uh, to Bruce Weber. Dude, he, uh, may Bruce- have more, he may have equal number of staff to the football team yeah I, I, there's there's a lot of guys uh on that and they, they they created a ton of new positions and brought in a ton of people they have like five or six graduate assistants when bruce really only ever had like two or three so i mean it's clear that jerome tang understands that and i think that's something that we're probably moving towards understanding as we kind of get done with facilities here moving towards investing it i should say because i think that's the next logical step along with increasing our uh, salary pool for assistance so we can keep the good assistance that we have here remain competitive um but yeah we're not on bama's level but this game shows a lot of what we need to do to at least get close 
I don't think it will ever be the dynasty that Bama is because I just don't think that's realistic for anybody to sit there and say, yeah, we're going to go do that. I mean, it it takes many things intersecting perfectly for that to happen. So we at least know what we need to do to continue to develop as a program. And we've at least figured it out somewhat in that recruiting is on an uptick. It's not a Bama's level. It's not even remotely close to Bama's level. It it may never be. Yeah, but it is improving. And we do recognize that we need that. And we have, Kleiman has created more analyst positions since he's gotten here. So he has recognized that, but we do need to put more money into that and further investment into that. So that's a really long spiel of saying Bama is better than we are, but <laughs> on, on Shame pretty much every level. But, and then that's not me trying to make a moral victory out of the loss, but it is something worth analyzing and looking at we'll call it self-reflection after losing <laughs> as, as opposed to a moral victory uh, I, i'm gonna gaslight the the families <laughs> into, into this not being a moral victory yeah and the next thing to take away is we're yeah we lost to bama we're still a good school we're still a good football team and this was still a good season you know we have a victory over one of the teams in the national title right now and it wasn't this, you know, this rinky dick, rinky dink like victory in the regular season that didn't mean anything. We beat them on, I guess by now the third biggest stage that they'll get to, but it's still yeah. a shining stage for them. We're seeing an uptick in recruiting. We're seeing consistent play across positions that we haven't seen before. We had a first year offensive coordinator. <laughs> who led us to having a consistently good offense with a quarterback that everyone wrote off, not everyone, but the majority of the fan base wrote off at the beginning of last season. And it's, there are reasons to be optimistic in this season, although it ended with us getting summarily executed by, you know, the galactic empire led by Darth Saban. It's, it's still not a bad season. It's like quite a good season. I know that a lot of people online love to say X team sucks. Y team sucks. People don't really know what that word means anymore because of the internet. So I very few teams suck. Casey definitely does not. I mean, any team that has a double digit win season, in my opinion, objectively had a successful season. On maybe the exception being Bama, because for them, a successful season is probably national title. This was a rebuilding year for Bama. Think about yeah. that. And they had a generational quarterback. That's just ridiculous. A generational quarterback and a potentially generational edge rusher. And this is a year off. I mean, that that's, that's how far fair. we have to go. That, <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. And it never will be, which really sucks. But we just kind of have to live with it. Do. Yeah, we just got to make do and do what we can to try and get to that status. But yeah, it, it we're still a good team. We had a good season. We won the Big 12 by transitive property. We're the second best team in the country because, or at least the second best team if TCU loses. But if they win, then all of a sudden transitive property national champs reside in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> I can't say that and take it seriously. But. The UCF title. <laughs> We, we hang a banner for th- please don't, <laughs> please don't, don't do that. 
it's, I, it's, I would laugh for like five minutes and, and then, then like, I'd have right, to ask take you to take it down. <laughs> like, All right, that was, yeah, a, that was a funny bit, Gene, but let's let's not. Um, he starts hanging the North Dakota State banner. <laughs> oh, Fargo Gene strikes again. Fargo Gene back at it. Who's <laughs> surprised? Not me. But I. Yeah, I'm, I'm still really happy with the season we had. I think it's important to have perspective on that. It's okay to be sad about the loss and wish that we performed better. So I wish the same thing because I wish that we win every game. But also understand that from a realistic perspective, uh, which is the one I'd recommend taking, uh, that we had a good year. Um, th- this was the most successful K-State season in a decade. Um, and... I, I'm very proud of the year that we had. Uh, even though preseason, I was hoping for this. I mean, when you think about it like that, we achieved our season goals. Yeah, this bowl game was just going to be the cherry on top. Yeah, our bowl, our our goal this year was to make the Big Twelve title. I think, and it was either make slash win. I think was probably the fan base sentiment, and we did that, and we won ten games. Uh, knocked off a playoff team. Kleiman has a fantastic record against teams that make the playoff. Uh, so OU and then TCU twice, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is a good season. We had a good year. So don't let this this loss completely solely the the vision of the rest of the season. No. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all all I had. Oh, oh you know it. And we'll have a, I'm not sure if it'll be this week or next. We'll talk about it afterwards. We're going to be doing the, the Alley Cats Awards show slash season recap at the end. Uh, maybe this week, maybe next. And we'll also have a fan vote. So we'll have our picks for, you know, like offensive, defensive player of the year. But the Alley Cats also get a vote. And, you know, each, <laughs> I was about to say each vote counts equally. And then I remembered you and I are the hosts. So that's not true. <laughs> But, you know, everyone gets, you know, you have the Connor Award, the Ace Award, and then the Alley Cat Award. Not to be confused with the Alley Cat of the Year Award. So, yes, we will have an Alley Cat of the Year Award voted for by the Alley Cats. Not confusing at all. Absolutely not. And everyone can already guess who the Alley Cat of the Year is. Mm -hmm. I don't even think we need to. (laughs) I'm not going to say it, but if you've listened to this episode, if you've listened to this pod for more than you know, a month, you know who it is. Yeah. But do you have any, any final thoughts that you're not, that we don't want to save for the, the season recap? I don't think so. All right. Well, that's, this wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and Cats. We're on the road to 1,000 followers, which is something we want to do by the end of this year. I think we need 70. So that is that is very... I think we're pretty safe. <laughs> we, we may be able to accomplish that one. But if you want yeah. to email us, we're at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I'm Matt Connor Bautzor, capital C, capital B. And I'd like to share that we are exactly 69 followers away. So just thought that was worth sharing for no particular reason at all. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as the staff approved Doomtang clan, 
play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.